You're listening to the Gen Zen Broadcasting System. This is High Spots and Cheap Pops, and BTE's awesome. Kicking it over to you, Luke Gallo's favorite guy, Silicon Steve Alley. Take it away. You are listening to High Spots and Cheap Pops for the smart wrestling fan. Here are your hosts, Vlad the Impaler and Silicon Steve Valley. High Spots and Cheap Pops. I'm going to leave that intro in. This is Silicon Steve Valley, and on the other side, we have Vlad the Impaler. Vlad is having a bunch of fun because we had... A rough pre-production meeting, which is all on on record, and we might get into that a little bit later. We have a great week of AEW to talk about. We also have a bunch of other stuff going on, and hopefully we'll get to the SmackDown later. And, of course, our picks for Fastlane, because we are on the Fastlane of the road to WrestleMania. I love the way you did that. That was good. Vlad, what did you think about this week in professional wrestling? Anything catch your eye before we get into AEW? You're hilarious, man. <laughs> well, specifically, let's talk about AEW. How about that? Let's stay on track. Okay? You took literally a paragraph to get a get segue away from where we were going. <sighs> so is that a no? You don't want to talk about it? Yeah, I like to talk about AEW since we this will be the third time around since we're trying to get to oh it. Oh my god, you're angry. <laughs> oh my god. Just throwing me curveballs after curveballs. So AEW, I thought, was an outstanding, outstanding week. And a lot of things are happening that I really am still convinced in a lot of things. Uh, what was your overall vibe of the show? And then we'll kind of talk about what happened. I like the show. Um, again, I put a, a lot of my time into AEW at this point. Uh, uh, as far as that show is concerned, um, Two really big moments for me were the announce, or, or I shouldn't say the announcement because we all saw it coming, but the first official um, uh, presentation of what has become known as Pinnacle. And uh, this was the supposed four horsemen group that is now known as Pinnacle, and which they are showing you they are not limiting themselves to just four fingers. So it could be anybody and therefore, you know, allows them some creative uh, license here to go and do whatever the hell they want. But uh, against the group with MJF and the Ric Flairish sort of role, yeah. uh, the mentor there is Tully Blanchard, who is really reinvented his career at an old day, older age. Uh, like I never thought I'd see. Yeah, like wrestling. I thought that guy was done and yeah, done and buried. I thought totally. I never thought I'd see totally so involved in something I'm watching again. Uh, then, of course, you have uh, probably one of the best big men in the sport in Wardlow. Love that guy. And uh, Sean Spears, known as the chairman. And then, in my opinion, most likely the best tag team on the planet, FTR. And that right there makes up the group known as Pinnacle, which is going to be feuding with the inner circle. Uh, we'll probably take them down, may tear them apart. Um, and that was like the, the major part of, say, the first hour uh, of, um, of Dynamite there. 
but really that that was like it was a good moment let me ask you this you and i have not talked about this this is as legit of a conversation that we yes. can have yes. the name the name pinnacle are you cool with it or are you not cool with it i felt it was a little generic okay i'm not sure what i think of it right now there's part of me i'm like oh, i get it i like the emblem I saw yeah, the, the emblem was classy the, it, yeah yeah i like that i'm like oh i could wear that you know um but like yeah like i'm thinking okay pinnacle i i already hear like i hear Jer i can hear jericho calling him pinnacle you know like some sort of play on it and then also is there a hand gesture of some sort with this is that possible i don't know but uh yeah but overall i'm okay with it i, I the emblem itself makes it like very cool to me um and also allow us to preface one other thing here uh as you'd like to point out and you're very astute on this matter with AEW. Mm. Uh, they layered this thing in there over months. Yeah, you go back to the first first of the COVID shows. Uh, MJF is doing what? He's hanging out with Tolly Blanchard, Sean Spears, and Eric Gambling on wrestling matches, trying to entertain the crowd. And I always thought that was like, oh my god, that's a weird pairing, you know? It's like sort of weird, like that they're hanging out. And um, and you know, they kept on going back to that, and then few months after, say, uh, um, uh, FTR arrived, they did some backstage interview, and they kept on referring to themselves as the pinnacle of tag team wrestling, the pin pinnacle of wrestling, used it more than once. And then, of course, when MJF was doing his, like, presidential bit, where he had, like, the uh, podium out there in the ring, he, he used the term pinnacle himself. So, again... They've been building up this story for months and months and months right before our own very eyes. And I always give them credit for that. It's like, I appreciate that as far as their storytelling. Yeah, they throw little clues in any chance that they can. But, so, but like you said before, sometimes they throw the clues in there just to fuck you up and throw you off. You yeah. Know? Like they've been having all these different things with Cody Rhodes, interaction with Cody Rhodes on Twitter about the Four Horsemen thing. And, you know, Cody's just a, you know, baby white baby face trying to get the brand over you know what i mean you're right and what an incredible moment that was and we'll get into that in, in a little bit later that was it what was your other thing again uh, the, well the other thing beyond that to me was the uh match between Britt baker and thunder rosa lights out match oh, wow. not sanctioned yep. so uh and you know actually i was telling my daughter about this match earlier today uh she has not seen it yet but um you know, honestly, uh, I know Meltzer rated it uh, one of the top five women's matches of all time. And I looked at the list that he had there, and I'm pretty, I, I do agree with it. Is it the greatest women's match I've ever seen? No, it's the greatest AEW's women's match that I've ever seen, and that's important. Um, so, like, that was, like, a very huge step. Like, Britt Baker, she went from being pretty girl, dentist, snarky, to um hardcore legend overnight um thunder rosa had a very strong match um almost a bit overshadowed even though she won you know um it's one of those things so yeah it was a good match it was the best match that i've seen Britt baker have uh i thought i've always thought thunder rosa is like a very like and i don't want to use this term lightly serviceable but good wrestler there's something there to her she's technically very sound She's got a little bit of mystique and aura about her. 
she's one of the better like women that's in that federation for sure. And they just went all out and they did it right in front of uh, what's her name, Jade Cargill, right? And they sort of set the bar in front of that that woman because you know the damn well that you're going to put that that title on that woman's waist eventually. Um, but yeah, I was I was impressed. You know me, I, I've been pretty honest about Britt Baker. There's, there was points where I, I hated Britt Baker, hated her, but she's grown on me for sure. And you know what? She's definitely paid her dues. And uh, before you know it, she's going to be wearing that belt, and rightfully so. Like honestly, Sheeta does nothing for me. I'm not a fan. So, Agreed. Agreed. Um, great in the ring. But yeah, it's just boring to me, you know? So, um, yeah, I, that was like a huge deal too. So, um, that's my thoughts on it. And I guess before I flip it over to you, can we segue into one thing? And then you, you, you touched on it just slightly. And, um, you know, you mentioned Cody's name. Yeah. What do you think's going on? What do you think's going on with that nightmare family thing? So I think it's going to implode eventually, to be honest with you, uh, because I, why keep this together? What is the Nightmare Family? It's a bunch of mid-carders, Cody and his brother, right? Is, is that? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, no offense to Dustin Rhodes, that's pretty much what you're getting from there. So I think yeah. right now, Cody's, it's going to be a situation where Cody's getting being used right now. He's selling the shoulder injury. So he's kind of at his weakest point. And he's trying to get people over. Right now, he's he's going to be feuding with Penta Alziano. And I tell you what, Penta has been looking great. And now he adds the, uh, Albert, uh, the Alex Abrahantis to his game in terms of promo. I mean, he had, Penta got something there. Really does. Mm-hmm. So Cody's using his star power and everything he can to get the AEW brand out. Cody will get his day. And they are really waiting for Cody to interact with the rest of the elite. And it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's going to be special. They might be waiting for the crowds for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, in that match between Penta and Cody, Penta starts attacking Cody after the match, right? After he loses, okay? Um, and what happens there, man? What do you think about Arn Anderson's reaction? What do you mean by that? He sort of goes in, doesn't go to like, yeah, like, uh, and like, I'm I'm almost thinking that Arn is going to go and leave Cody. That's definitely something that a should happen, and you know, I I don't know, but Cody's they got to do something because that nightmare family it's it's really been a forgotten thing. It's just and QT Marshall QT's turning heel, obviously. He already kind of did. Yeah. Is yeah, that- they're sort of uh yeah, it's like he's like lingering, they're pointing the finger at him, but then it's like I don't know, it was just a strange sort of uh awkward thing. Like Arn went in there to sort of distract Penta, but you know, um didn't necessarily get physically involved. Not that I'm expecting Arn to go and, you know, lace him up by any means like Tolly did recently, but I mean, seriously, like there's something, there was just something like a weird awkwardness. And it's like, I think they're almost distracting you with QT Marshall. And I, I think really what it's probably come down to is like Cody and Dustin just having their own faction. And it's the nightmare, for, you know, family, if you will. I don't know. And honestly, I hate to say it. It's, it, it vibes a little bit like WWE, man. It just really no, no, no follow through, not a lot of long-term story booking. I guess there's a lot of stuff going on on dark. 
But QT Marshall, were there problems before that? There were there was a storyline going on six months ago, but and now QT is turning heel for another reason now. Like what's it really has been booked a lot like WWE because don't forget the bunny was with QT and that was going to be the, the wedge between the night, the nightmare, the natural nightmares. Yeah. And then that got scrapped for whatever reason. And then now QT's turning heel anyway. So I don't know what's going on, but it really has been booked like shit. And I don't want to be too critical of AEW, but the nightmare family is, a, is the, I mean, come on. You talk about all the factions in AEW right now. Lucha Express has more clout than the Nightmare Family. Let's be honest. Who does? Jurassic Express. You call them Lucha Express? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Lucha Express? I'm like, who the hell's that? And jerk off with uh, the Luchasaurus, mask. okay. No. Hey, so, listen, FTR cut off those horns. They grew them back um, the following week, so what the heck? What the heck, you know? Yeah, he's a reptile. They do regenerate. <laughs> um, but you know what? Like, here's something I noticed about AEW. Like, for as much as um, we've been very, like, positive about them, one of the things I noticed they do, they change gears quickly. And I, I would say, look at that show that was on Wednesday, and look at Brian Cage. Yeah. All of a sudden, Brian Cage is coming out there. He's turning face right on Taz, right immediately. Well, that no, there's a little bit of some story to that. If you remember, and I thought Brian Cage was going to turn earlier, Brian Cage had a lot of choice words about Taz, after Taz doing the towel against that match against Moxley. Uh, it's true. Yep. Yep. And there has been times where Cage looked frustrated because he wasn't able to talk when Taz talked for him. If you look, so there has been teases of Brian Cage, not being super happy with Taz and being a man's man too. So there has been that. So I can't say that's out of left field quite as bad. Brian Cage is a fucking monster, dude. And he can cut a promo too. He's they got so much untapped talent in AEW that they haven't really. You've only seen scratch the surface yet. It's just again, it's all just building. It's just it's you're getting excited because of the possibilities, and you know they're not going to fuck it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that's all right, but okay. So so you're not giving me Brian Cage as far as changing gears, but then like let's look at Lance Archer. What two and a half is, weeks ago? Three three weeks ridiculous. ago? Yeah, I don't He's know. Face. Oh. Now I am a you know, and I was a heel. And hey, we got we have Jake the Snake referring to people as weenies. Um, well, it's yeah, let's you know, I don't know. If we can we want to spat all over the place. We can kind of let, let's go, you know, let's just go through the show. We're we're gonna get into all the nuts and bolts real quick, and we are gonna talk about Jake the Snake Roberts. Holy shit, we're gonna talk about Jake Roberts, and I love him. As a kid, I used to have a Jake the Snake Roberts shirt, but. We have to be honest if we're going to be truthful, but we could start with uh, let's, let's do a quick review rundown of AEW Dynamite, March seventeenth, two thousand twenty-one. We talked about it. Penta Elziano Miedo faces Cody, and you saw what happened at the end. We were talking about it, and you know, I I don't think you take too much from Arn, even though I think that what you said is going to happen. I think the biggest thing is they just wanted to make sure they show that QT is not part of the Nightmare family, so they're trying to build something there. Again, we just talked about it. Whatever. It's not... The, the Nightmare family's been terrible. Um, Alex Marvez, this, we can get into this. Alex Marvez talking, interviewing the Young Bucks. Don Callis kind of calls him out and says, you guys almost believe it. You guys aren't the same champs you used to be. And I'll tell you what, and I don't know what you think. I am of the belief that 
Ray Phoenix and Pac are going to beat them for the tag titles. And that is going to face the Young Bucks, have to face inside and then turn heel because they'll, they'll start agreeing with Don Callis. And that's when they turn heel and they probably turn heel on Moxley. And I think they're the ones that put Moxley out for a while. Uh, Phoenix and Pac are definitely going to be your next tag team champions and are definitely beating the Bucks. I would bet my bottom dollar on that. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. We're on the same page there. Perfect. Absolutely. But again, there's no way they're not putting the, 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 that is a team that they should lose to. Honestly, like that's better than private party. I'll tell you that much. No, um, but you, but you just saw how Callis was. Callis is saying you guys aren't as good as you are, and they're the tag team champs, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. He's like, okay, you're not the same team that was in Japan, you know. And it's like as if they lost a little bit of their edge. Yes. And so, yeah, yeah, they're gonna lose, and then yeah, maybe the Bucks do go and um, take out um, Moxley. Could very well be. I mean, I mean, we were, I, mean, I don't know if this is the next thing you're going to talk about is uh, the tag team match between Moxley and Kingston versus uh, your favorite wrestler, Luke Gallows and, or Doc Gallows, or is it Luke Gallows? It's Luke Gallows in this case. Yeah, we, we could talk. Uh, and yeah, we'll and Carl Anderson. Yeah, we'll go, we'll, we could we jump to there and then we'll go back to what it was. Yeah. So we saw that. What would you think of the match? My wife is an Eddie Kingston fan now. I think that's disturbing, and I probably have to have a conversation with her. Don't even, don't let's not even joke with that. Um, you remember the Don McLean song "American Pie"? Oh yes, right. The day Bye-bye. the music died, right, right. So as I'm watching that match, and as Eddie Kingston and Gallows were in there, I'm like, oh, this is the day that wrestling died. <laughs> I was just thinking, man, holy cow. I don't think either one was part of the finish, though, were they? Or was Gallus part? Um, it was painful to watch their interaction in that match, and they got from Moxley and Carl Anderson. Um, I, yeah, it was just disturbingly bad when I, any like them being out there, um, Kingston trying to sell, just oversell everything. Uh, you know, hey, I get, I get it. He's a great guy. He's lived in a locker room, but you know what? Um, <laughs> he, he just looks awful, and I and he's the epitome of Ham and Ager. Okay, like that, he's the most glorified Ham and Ager. And okay, it's great. He's friends with John Moxley. I have very good friends too, but like that doesn't mean I belong in the middle of, of the ring of dynamite, uh, going against the Bullet Club. He looks like he should be selling meth to you, doesn't he, Eddie Kingston? He, yeah, yeah like there's just he's just swarmy man he's just so swell like I, ugh, just everything about him i get it you're 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 a mark for him i'm not a mark for him but Even i think so. him as a baby face makes a lot more sense than as a heel i and i've always said that and i thought him as a does heel it, didn't make does, sense because he how is that slob gonna beat john moxley ever i that you know uh, okay so you, you you use the term slob which i'm not disagreeing with so my question would be, why is that slob on dynamite at any point? 
Well, I think you haven't seen anything that interested it. And I'm not going to defend him anymore. You know, you don't like him. I think there's something there and I'm going to give him a, I think him as a baby face and as a guy fighting authority makes sense. And I like him as a baby. face. I don't like him as a heel. I've been very clear about that. Very clear. And I didn't make sense why he came out that one time. But yeah. now, when, like when he came out during during his title match, the, the title match, now it makes sense. You remember we were like, "Why the fuck is Eddie Kingston out there?" And then what's great is you bring you bring this up because you called it. You're bringing this up totally to self-await yourself because you called it. And I've given you credit. That is not true. I wasn't even going to bring that up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, my God. You have PTSD about my ego. And just like, I... <laughs> about the same guy, baby. My God, and it's like, oh, it makes it makes look at look, look at the storytelling here. He went and checked on Moxley after he lost the title. Okay, yeah, he did that, and then he went in '69 to him when the when the thing didn't blow up. We've been through this. Now he's on Dynamite again with Moxley as a tag team partner against Gallows and Anderson. And oh my God. I mean, what were you thinking when Gallows and I'm not, were out I'm not spending a half hour spending Kingston and, and Gallows again. So, yeah, you don't like him. I got it. Anyways, <laughs> moving right along. Like, come on. We, we did it last week. We don't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to defend it anymore. It's just like, all right. <laughs> I can't. I can't. What, what, what did you think, like, at the end there when, like, the Bucks came out and didn't? What do you think about the Bucks not giving them the two sweet sign with the Kenny Omega? Well, okay, so this is my thought process, and we're going to go into it. And I called the Bucks turning heel from Jump Street, as you remember. Right. So this is what I really think, and I'm I'm sitting in the shower today after I'm done masturbating. I'm just kidding. I don't jerk off in the shower. But I'm sitting in the shower today, and I'm really thinking about this. I'm like, you know what I can see happening now? All right, so after the bomb didn't go off, they have to get Moxley off TV for at least a few weeks. At least a few weeks. Maybe he was going to take six weeks off, but now he's only going to take three or four weeks off. Who knows? So I could see Moxley doing that. I could say, hey, hey, write me off, and that's fine. And now that the bomb didn't go off, all right, maybe they're switching gears, and maybe they're going to have the Bucks be what happens. And now, as you can see, they kind of saved Moxley here. So you could see good brothers, because Eddie Kingston's going to be hurt with a leg injury, right? Thank God, yep. Eddie Kings is going to be hurt with a leg injury, so there's no one going to be there to get Moxley's back. It's going to be the Young Bucks, Moxley versus the Good Brothers and Omega. And after the match, they'll still have a competitive match, but after that match, then all five of them are going to do exactly what all five of them did to AJ Styles five years ago in AJ's last appearance in New Japan. It's a great call. I can see that happening. Thank you. Thank you very much. I can't wait to talk about it for another four weeks after it happens. Hey, I just slide it into conversation. Jealousy of my ego on, on, on me. So anyway, so that's what I think is going to be going on there. It's just there's way too much stuff happening with the Young Bucks. But all bets are off, though, if they beat Pac and Ray. But I don't think it's going to happen. When are they, when are they facing Pac and Ray? It's going to be soon, right? Let me ask you this before we get uh, to Pack and Ray, and this this might segue into it, right? And this is something that you and I sort of texted each other earlier about. Oh, I agree with what you just said in terms of uh, maybe taking out Moxley. We also discussed how Jay White is going to be in Tampa, like right around the time of WrestleMania, right? 
And you definitely have some sort of, you have the Bullet Club that are feuding openly in promos on posts, right? If they're in Florida, much like Kent is already in Florida, we've seen him once or twice, right? Is there any way that they sort of pull the Japanese part of the Bullet Club out there, maybe Jay White, thinking that the Young Bucks might actually side with them at this point because they're tired of Omega's crap as well. And then the Young Bucks could also turn on them. I don't think, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I don't believe we're going to see the forbidden door blown wide open, but then I don't know, man. Again, we're, we're into territory that I think is beyond what we're even thinking could happen because the possibilities are kind of endless now outside of WWE. It's anything. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's the thing. It's like when I saw that he's going to be in Florida around the time of WrestleMania, uh, dynamite is filmed in Jacksonville. It's literally, you know, like a four hour drive or you know, an hour flight, not even to, to Jacksonville where like, I would be shocked to not see Jay white on dynamite. Their pops, perhaps with Kenta. Uh, I don't know if any of the other guys from Japan might be joining them, yeah. but I would be shocked not to see them in some level on that show. Yeah, I mean, you would be silly if you can get Jay White on your program. You get Jay White on your program. He was one of the higher sought after. Right? Yeah, I would think like a while. Yeah, gonna I was shocked he didn't go to to WWE. Yeah. I really was. I was absolutely shocked he didn't go to. Thank, WWE. thank God. Thank God. Oh, my God, yes. And it's probably what it was. He probably They would totally to, ruin I, it, man. He probably said to WWE, I want some kind of creative freedom. That's going to be a big deal for people who live, breathe professional wrestling, creative freedom, and then and that want to be able to breathe life into their own character in terms of their own words and their own personality. That's going to be big yeah. for, for guys like that. But if you're okay being an, an actor and a stuntman, then go to WWE, and that's that's who you that's where you're gonna thrive. A guy like Braun Strowman, you know, a lot of you know what I mean. He's perfect for that because he he doesn't seem yeah. like he has much of a. If you hear interviews he, and, and hear him talk, he, he doesn't seem like he cares about being super creative with his character. He just wants to entertain. All right, just want to entertain. Go entertain. Go to sports entertainment. But Jay White's not an entertainer. He's a fucking pro wrestler. Yeah, I have a feeling that if he's going to be there around that time, that'd be a good way to steal some thunder off of uh, WWE in terms of like, you know, coming off the uh, high of WrestleMania and having even more of a bullet club presence there. But I was a little bit surprised to see that. That's why I flipped that to you, that information. I wasn't sure if you were aware, but I just thought it was intriguing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure where Jay White would fit. And here's the thing. Jay White and Kenny Omega cannot coexist with the ball club. There's no way. There's, I don't know what they think. I could see what they do is turn on Jay White. He's only been there for a couple of years. And I could see him being an absolute madman babyface. I really could. He, he's, he's insane. He's insane. It's, it, it would be beautiful. It would be really cool to say. That's my point. It's not that Jay White would appear at, at say, Dynamite, my, my opinion. Yeah. Not to coexist with Kenny Omega. Not to coexist with the Good Brothers, but to be there almost as a challenge, say, with Kent, Kenta. Now you have the Bullet Club there, and who would be 
you know, the ones to sort of maybe tip the scales either way would be the Young Bucks. Yeah, that would be interesting. Internally. The only thing is that he had, they have zero. I mean, it would be a Young Bucks connection with the Bullet Club, but they have zero connection with Jay White. So I don't know if that would make too much sense. That's the only thing. Right, right. No, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But it would be a demonstrative thing for them to go and like side with him at that point as well. But you know what? I like your idea a lot better in terms of what they do to Moxley and turning. Yeah, I mean, they could do the same thing to Jay White. They do the same exact thing they do with Moxley, like you said. So, but I think it'll yeah. be more like that because I think Moxley wants it. He's going to be written off for a few weeks. He's good. I guarantee you, Moxley wanted this big. I want to be written off TV. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, Moxley's not going to go off like a bitch. So, yeah. that's just it. That's just the end of the world. Now, they also could also have pushed his thing back. So now instead of having him miss three weeks here, it might be three weeks like in the back end. Um, and maybe, yeah. you know, maybe he comes back right around, I guess it would be double or nothing. So. Oh yeah. He, that, I mean, that, that's where he would definitely return. If not have a match is his first match to return. I'd say, you know? Yeah. He might come back like two or three weeks beforehand and, and go after mm-hmm. whoever takes him out. Do you have any? Do you have Eddie Kingston and go versus the Young Bucks, and Eddie Kingston and Moxley versus the Young Bucks? If it is the Young Bucks, but we'll see that. You know, we that all's got to come to fruition. The Young Bucks have got to turn. A lot of things got to go down. The Bucks got to turn heel. Yeah. You know, but so yeah, but that that was really cool. I like how they're really they're doing a good job of making it look like the Bucks are really pissed off at Kenny and Callis. But I still haven't bought in, and I I'm just like that's you know what I mean. When I see what's going on, I'm like that's bullshit. They're they're on Kenny's side, but what have you? So, <laughs> so we had Jade Cargill against Danny Jordan in a squash match. Jade Cargill, absolute gifted beast, and if they, only Danny Jordan did a good job helping that out because she's pretty experienced. <laughs> but Jade looks for only two matches. Holy shit! I mean, she's impressive. That might be their version of Goldberg. I mean, she just, I mean, she's bigger than everybody. She's has a, she's built like a brick shit house. I mean, holy cow. And now we get to go to one of my, I'm sorry, go ahead, buddy. She was the point guard for Jacksonville state university. She was a point guard for Jacksonville state university. That's amazing. Let's see. I mean, she's an incredible athlete. JR, JR wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. Yeah, he probably brought it up like 15 times, and he probably said something about her ass. Jesus Christ. Shivani's been slipping lately, too. But I don't – JR said a couple things. I mean, it's, it, nothing big, but JR had a couple of fuck-ups this week. Always something. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what it was. Uh, but anyway, let's go to one of – the main courses of the night and what I thought was one of the best promos I've ever seen in my entire life with, as you mentioned before, the pinnacle Tully Blanchard, Sean Spears, Wardlow, FTR, and of course, MJF and that fucking promo by, I mean, Tully Blanchard was solid, did what Tully Blanchard does, but MJF smooth, Little winks, double S, which we talked about, kind of went to your vibe of he would be the enforcer of the group. Even though I think the enforcer enforcer is going to be Wardlow, but you get what I'm saying. 
And I don't know. I, I mean, either way you look at it, the name withstanding, I loved everything about this. What do you, What is your opinion on MJF and what he's bringing to the table now as he is going to be at the forefront as one of the top guys every single week he's going to be on TV doing something incredible? Yeah, the promo was great. I mean, you know, he broke it down each and every one. Uh, plain which, you know, what each member meant to this group or what each member means to this group. Um, you know, basically they put uh, Tully over big time. Um, I like the know, story like, of him uh, with Eric. MJF, just for him next down for people. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely great. I mean, you know, like... Jericho is like going against Father Time, and MJF is right there on his back, plucking his feathers. You thought me, yeah, pretty much. Me under- <laughs> yeah, I just, I just yeah. little jokes here and there, and absolute zingers on Jericho. It was absolutely mm-hmm. great, and it's going to be funny. And one thing, obviously, they're going to be feuding with the Inner Circle, but eventually down their line, you'd have to imagine the elite slash bullet club tangles with pinnacle. That's, and who knows what's going to be happening there and who'll be the baby faces there and all that. Now that's something to think about. Uh, It's going to be, that's going to be huge. Those two groups going at it. Because right now, if you had to pick somebody for the title, who do you, who would you think would be? I mean, MJF would be at the top of your list. One of them anyway. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, um, I mean, he he would definitely be the legit a legit person to go take the belt away from Omega. I, the thing so, is, um, you know, all right, what's up? I'm saying that you got the two of the biggest heels though, so you'll have to have one storyline shift. But that would be amazing, and why not? Why not have the two biggest son of a bit biggest sons of bitches in wrestling go at it for the title? That would be huge. Yeah, it would be great, man. It definitely would be great. And then you have the whole FTR against uh, um, the Young Bucks uh, all over again. And, and then, uh, I mean, because, you know, FTR would definitely just wipe up the floor with Gallows and Anderson. I mean, that's just like, it's like a Sunday night heat match at that point, right? I would never want to see that match. Uh, it would just embarrass the Young Bucks because I think everyone thinks Gallows and Anderson, they lie so much on that legacy that they built in new japan but jesus yeah. christ i'm sorry G- look anderson can go we've talked about it on and on gallows can't go he's not gonna have yeah. gallows will never be in a five-star match it's just that simple no. unless it's with the young bucks then because Meltzer gives all the young bucks matches five so. yeah but i'm saying if you had pinnacle against the the bullet club slash elite yeah, you're not going to want to see FTR against Gallows and Anderson. I mean, that's like something that you would have seen on, you know, an opening match of Sunday Night Heat at this point. Um, so, you, you know, basically you'd, you'd gear it up for like the tag team belts being involved where Pinnacle or the Elite or Bullet Club is trying to go and pull it away from each other. Yeah. And honestly, man, that is like, you know, you, you should be able to print money off of that feud. And if you have MJF going against uh, Omega, I mean, it'd be great to just see the crowd reaction and who's going to go inside with who. Like, hey, listen, I love Kenny Omega. To me, the best wrestler in the world at this point. Uh, but you know what? If MJF is cutting promos on him and he's the young upstart here and he is all elite, really. 
I mean, this is like he did his time in the Indies, yeah. But I mean, this is like it's not like he went and had a cup of coffee in WWE like some people. So I mean, he is like true blue all elite. Yeah. So, um, and he's, I mean, to legitimize his career, he's going to need that title, and they can build something off of him and Omega easily. Oh, absolutely. And I just the magic. I mean, you're really starting to see these younger stars now be integrated into the top of these of these storylines. I mean, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you got Darby Allen now is a household name in, in, in professional wrestling, MJF. So you have these young stars and they're really doing a great job. And I, I just, I get really, sometimes I, and it sounds corny, but I literally get goosebumps when I think about the possibilities of where these storylines are going. And it just makes me want to, you know, lose more weight so I can stick around for several years, make sure I'm watching what AEW has to come. Uh, by the way, yeah. off, off topic, what do you think about Tony Khan being more of a presence in the storylines? I don't know if I um, like it. Yeah. yeah, he made an appearance really uh, uh, recently, right? I think on their new show, right? Like with, with Omega, I believe. The Matt Sedal, Matt Sedal match. Yeah, so he had a situation where he was going to wrestle Matt Sedal and, Seidel, and if Matt Sedal beat him, then he, he had a shot at the title. So I forget who they, I think the Good Brothers wrestled them or something and or somebody, whatever. Omega came out beat the shit out of Matt Seidel and basically had the match start and he beat him and that was the match that they were supposed to have. Tony Khan came out. It just sounded like a little kind of a... Eh. It was Luckily, it wasn't as bad as Shane, but no, Cody, yeah. that's crap, buddy. That's crap, man. You can't do that, man. It was just really... It was like it was like your little brother if you yeah, he, he, place a pizza yelling at you. No, man, it's not cool, bud. Um... <sighs> Yeah, it's a it's a trap to be the owner and want to be in front of the camera so many times, and it's something that uh, WWE had great success with it with McMahon and Austin, of course. But then after a certain point, we didn't necessarily want to see Vince every week. At a certain point, we didn't want to see the Authority every week. Uh, and and in that same breath, there's certain times now, if you want to talk quickly about WWE, I wish there was an authority because I have no idea what Matt Pierce is doing or why Shane, Shane's out there. And I'm, I'm not understanding whose role is what at this point. So getting that and applying that to Tony Khan, you got to be careful of how you're maneuvering this, because if he's if he's planning on being out there every week and doesn't necessarily have the uh, gumption, let's put it that way, to like be an on air presence. You know what, man? Just small doses. You know? Yeah, I know. So that, that, that's my thinking. Well, you know what? He's also doing that. Pardon me. He's also doing that spot on Impact Wrestling every week where he's kind of talking shit on Impact Wrestling, like left and right, just talking shit on Impact Wrestling and saying how he's giving them money and, he, and they should be thankful. And he's kind of cutting heel promos on impact with Tony Schiavone. So he's doing that too. So ah, does the fact that he won Booker of the year go to his head a little bit? Look, I mean, if he apparently is a major, major Booker, he's a major part of the, all the story, these storylines. And is that getting to his head a little bit? Because he had a really awesome first couple of years. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, it's part 
it's possible. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, who knows. I mean, we're not in the production meetings there and seeing how this is evolving. I mean, at times like this, I'm I, and this is something I, I just uh, I was looking at this past week and you know using the term Booker. Uh, I recently watched the, the uh, Brian Pillman match that he had <laughs> with uh, Kevin Sullivan, and uh, Pillman was, <laughs> and I was like, this is like this guy was such a loose cannon man, and he just went out there. And he didn't even get the strap on his wrist and they just went and swung at it. And then he just called him, you know, I'm sorry, or I, I give up Mr. Booker, man. <laughs> yeah, what was it? A respect match. He said, I respect. Yeah. Yeah. Booker, I was, man. <laughs> yeah. Is that and then, and was that? Yeah, it was. And, yeah. And it was like Arnie Anderson that ran out there and tried to save it somehow. Like they're like, this guy's insane. Like if you listen to the announcers, they have no idea what's going on. Was that the same time? I think it was the same time that he touched Heenan and Heenan said, what the fuck are you doing? You know, it was a different match because I started watching these things about Pillman because, you know, I, I sort of, one of the things I like about AEW is like seeing his son wrestle and it's like, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't think I've scratched the surface really or truly understood how sort of crazy he was. And I started going back to these matches of, uh, of Brian Pillman and these some of these promos. Like he did this promo um, with uh, Marlena, where he went and was able to win her services from Gold Dust, and it was just like one of the most exploitive like promos you've ever seen. And she just he had her dressed like like as if she just had gone through hell and back just to do whatever he wanted <laughs> and just looked tired and just strung out. And, and it was just nuts. And I'm like, my God, man, this guy was just so like with the times and a few steps ahead of it and just a crazy ball of energy that could not go and can't contain. Yeah. Not telling that. Remember his ECW promos talk about getting heat. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, yeah, he was going to go and take a piss right in the middle of the ring. I'm going to whip out my Johnson and I'm going to piss right in this shithole. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he called it a Johnson. That yeah, what a, what a. Yeah, gonna... He's a crazy man, man. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one, it's one a... of the dark side. Like, I'm looking forward to the dark side of the ring when they go and touch on his uh, his career and his his time in WWE. And and be quite honest with you, man, um, not that I've, I've 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 sort of stopped listening to sport, sports talk radio because I'm working remotely now. Yeah. But to where I'd be listening to say Boomer and uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, oh, shit. Carton. It great. It was a Greg Giannotti. No, no, it wasn't Carton. It was the guy after him. Sorry. I feel terrible for forgetting his name, but anyways, Boomer would eventually like when anytime they were like coming around WrestleMania, Boomer would just start going into his recent, like his memory banks. And he was talking about like, what was like playing football with Pillman for the Bengals. And he was like, that guy, even when he was playing for the Bengals was all about professional wrestling. And he was like, I knew he was going to be a professional wrestler longer than he was going to be a, a football player. Yeah, <laughs> and he was just and and he's like and he goes what you saw on screen that was him he was crazy, <laughs> and, he, and he said it with like admiration like there was something he's like you know it was like one of those just wild spirit yeah man so yeah just is like this this earlier this week I was watching some of those things and those Pillman uh, takes on YouTube and I'm like my God man there's no way he'd be getting away with this 
these days. Oh no, none of that. A lot of that stuff, man. Holy shit! I, yeah. I tell you, well, yeah, Brian Pillman is one of those. What could have been, man? Because yeah. I thought there could have been some real magic if he was involved during the real birth of Steve Austin when Steve Austin came to power. Because those guys had a history, and those guys. Yeah. Could, you know, I don't know if Pillman still could do what he could do in the ring earlier than that because Pillman was a high flyer. I remember, he was flying Brian, you know. Yeah, but. I think Brian Pillman really was a guy, a talent that we really didn't see the great. And he did have an Andy Kaufman vibe because he walked the line where was he really, he really was that crazy. And yeah. it's just, it's incredible to me. And it's just, it's just unfortunate, you know, that. Yeah. You know, like I, I was listening there. to you like a Jim. Yeah. I was listening to like a Jim Cornette, like podcast or portion of it. And he was talking about uh Pillman and he, he mentioned how the injury was worse than he sort of let on. And, you know, if that injury wasn't there, he could have been something pretty major. And it, it took away from his in ring ability, uh, took away from some of his comp came the painkillers and the rest is, as they say, is sort of history. It's, it's really unfortunate, but man, for that, he, he, I mean, for that moment in time, it was just, uh, Man, you know, you you and I like Pink Floyd together, and it's like that shine on crazy diamond. That's like yeah. what he sort of reminds me of. That is an so. brilliant analogy, brilliant comparison. I would agree with that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Thanks. So- yeah. I, I didn't mean I didn't I didn't yeah I, I didn't mean to segue away from AEW, but when you mentioned the Booker Man thing with uh, with uh, Tony Khan, I was like, oh, I got to mention that I just saw this match with him and and Kevin Sullivan, and just it's, it's such a slap in the face. It's great. Yeah, and it, it just it was hilarious. And that was before a lot of us really knew what the what a Booker was, and we didn't really know what the situation. Yes, or, or we didn't, or or we certainly didn't know. I mean, I didn't know Kevin Sullivan was a major Booker until well after that. I was like, why do you call him a Booker, man? That makes no sense. I yeah. had no idea what the hell that meant. You know, and I think it was like ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, like I, like I thought all. His time was being totally monopolized by the Dungeon of Doom. Like he had to get those guys in order and keep them under wraps. And it's like, no, he's like he's picking and choosing matches. Yeah, I thought he was just. A dungeon. <laughs> oh man, I, I think I don't think he was the guy in charge of Shockmaster. I think it was Ole Anderson booking then. But <laughs> yeah, oh, Shockmaster. I know Ole was doing the voice. Ole did the voice of the Shockmaster. This is the Shockmaster. <laughs> I didn't just fall down. Don't pay no attention to me falling down. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tugboat Thomas is, is fucking trying to find his helmet. Yes. His, his uh, refurbished uh, Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet. Whoa, Jesus Christ, that was horrible. And I don't remember that. I don't think I was watching wrestling when that happened. And, and you nah, I wasn't either. Bulldog. The person fell on his fucking ass. <laughs> Oh, too many wrestlers died, man. Now I'm talking about friggin' Tugboat Thomas is still around. God bless him. Yeah, man. God bless him. He gets more bookings now as the Shockmaster than he does as Typhoon or Tugboat Thomas. I'll tell you that much. Can you believe he gets yeah. Shockmaster bookings because of that one fucking <laughs> the disaster of his career? <laughs> oh, <he's> getting... <laughs> then after we had that situation, we could kind of go around we had the brian cage thing we already kind of talked about um now we also see let's get into jake the snake roberts 
and Lance Archer interrupting Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting and Darby Allen. And I've been saying this the whole time, you know, good job of getting Darby Allen over and whoever else. And Darby cut a decent promo. I don't like white hot baby faces like that. And, you know, I never like Jeff Hardy either. It's a taste thing. I get it. Why people like him. Cut a good promo, what have you. Then Lance Archer comes out, cuts a fire and brimstone promo, badass promo. And then do you want to explain to the people? I want to hear your take on this. The snap, the insult, the put down that Jake the Snake Roberts probably took about 25 minutes to tell to Darby Allen. Yeah, it was like such, it's so like um, forced at this point. And he totally steals Lance Archer's uh, like thunder, I feel. And, and again, like you, I always admired Jake the Snake. Um, was one of the more scary individuals growing up. Then as I got older, I was like, oh, this guy's badass. And then I was a Raven fan of the ECW. Well, who influenced Raven? Well, shit, it was Jake the Snake Roberts. Because he wanted you to pay attention and he wanted you to raise the volume on your TV and understand every maniacal thing he was going to say. And there was a genius about him, just the way he and where he came from, totally ahead of his time. Well, yeah. honestly, at this point in time, in the W, he's out there and he's backing up Lance Archer. And he didn't necessarily even have to touch the microphone at this moment. He could just go back there and be like, listen, I'm advising this guy and uh, I'm going to go and, and basically like just be there as his, you know, advisor, manager, whatever, and not necessarily touch the microphone. However, Archer goes and cuts through them like a knife. Then he goes and grabs the microphone. Jake the snake does. And what does he do? He goes and picks on the little guy and this little guy who's like as one of the like sort of more hip sort of guys that's in AEW at this moment, totally connects with the fans, um, like is like totally worlds ahead of him and for as far as being involved. And Jake the Snake looks at him and he makes some sort of reference to like uh, something in the back by, I guess, catering. And then he's like and then he has to go and explain the insult further by saying, because you're a weenie. Because there's nothing that tears down some sort of emo kid that throws himself off of balconies and and hits people with skateboards, like calling him a weenie. You know I mean, what, Darby? What the hell was that? Where, where's your bud, Darby? Your bud, your <laughs> hot dog bud. Your hot dog bud, because you're a weenie. Yeah, that was it. it. Was. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly yeah, man. Thank you. Because I try to I think repress that that part of that promo from my uh my memory bank. Holy crap, I was just I texted you immediately. I'm like, that is so bad. That is really just bad. And it's like it, it, like Lance Archer has nothing to do with that aspect of it. And they're, and they're just being polite to Jake at this point. And I'm not saying Jake needs to go and like shut up. No, I think he needs to be measured with his words and be more powerful that way. Yeah, oh, definitely. I don't. I certainly don't think he's helping Archer at all. I mean, he looks like a confused old man out there. Not for nothing. No. <laughs> Sting! Stinger! Stinging, stinging, stinging! Stinging! <laughs> 
you know what? I think you you smell bad. You know what I mean, brother? I think you stink because you smell like poop. Poop face. Stang. Stanger. Darby. Darby Allen. I don't like guys that paint their faces. I beat the shit out of mimes left and right up and down the East Coast. You silly goose. Really, Jake? Silly goose. You whippersnapper. There's two of you. You silly geese. Oh, Jesus. Wiener. Wiener. You're a weenie. You're a little cocktail weenie. You're not even a full-grown hot dog. You're like a little hors d'oeuvre. That's French for a weenie. Did Jake pitch that to somebody? Like, hey, brother. Hey, brother. Come here. I want to ask you something. And he's talking to Kenny Omega, who's been sober his entire life, never put a drug in his body. And then you have this fucking crackhead, recovered crackhead. <laughs> hey, brother, I got an idea for you. So I'm going to come out there, right? Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference Darby Allen because you know how he likes to hot dog it. You know, it's a hot dog. I mean, I didn't really think that was part of his character, but uh, you know, he's hot dogging it with a skateboard hot dog. He's just staying hot dog over and over again. <laughs> What's the point? So I'm going to say, where's your bun at? You know, where's your bun for, for a hot dog bun? Because he's a wiener. Get it? <laughs> That's fucking brilliant, Jake. You should definitely go with it. Make sure you cut Lance Archer off in the process when he's cutting the promo. Exactly. Make sure you do that. And Jake, while we're talking about it, can you please explain? I'm sorry. There's only six hot dog buns in the pack versus eight hot dogs, and they're forcing you to go and buy that extra pack. That is a good question, brother. I got to ask DDP about that. Hey, hey, I got a question for you. And his voice, he doesn't, he just, he doesn't cut a good promo. His voice doesn't sound that good either. It sounds like Jack Klugman right before he died on the uh, Odd Couple reunion show. You know, that's really sad. I'm about to cry now. I've been watching a lot of Odd Couple. Love that show. But, but no, I, I, Jake's really, it, it's, it's bad now. He needs to go with somebody that's going to fit his personality. And I don't think the murder hawk, in fact, if I would, in anything, I would have Archer, if you want to make a heel, and, and we could go back to that. We talked about it very briefly. The, the way they have booked him recently, the last couple of months, has been a, kind of ridiculous as well. I don't know if that's something to do with an injury or. Yeah, man. He had a great match with. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, like I was saying earlier, like AEW does change gears a little, like pretty quickly, man. Especially after pay per views, like, and you know what? You, you did preface the whole history with Taz and Brian Cage, but honestly, I think they're, I think Brian Cage is leaving that group. Is the way I'm reading between the lines. I don't think he's really stick, sticking around. And yeah. uh, with Archer, he he was a heel, then he's a face, and now he's a heel again. They're sort of giving the Paul White treatment. But I'm okay with him if he's coming out there cutting a good promo like he did and he's looking to go after people, namely Darby Allen, which honestly, that guy, Lance Archer, has every right to hold that belt as well. I mean, he's a he's a good talent and he, he definitely catches your eye when he when you're turning on TNT. Like you're like, holy crap, who's that dude? However, <laughs> Jake the Snake is like an anchor on his heels and dragging him down because they gotta say, Jake. Unless you the, you say these lines, do not grab that live microphone and start making weenie jokes. Hey, hey, 
Why don't you make like a tree and leave? <laughs> get, <laughs> get out of here. Thing. Darby, I don't know if you heard. <laughs> Baseball start. Who's out first? Well, Darby's like, what? No. Second base. I don't watch baseball, old man. Leave me the fuck alone. That's what he would say. All depressed sounding like he was in the lead singing book here. What's this creepy old man talking about? And by the way, didn't I see, but I don't know. Again, we can say he's creepy. If you really think he wore that shirt, snakes eat bunnies for that reason that you think he did, that is creepy. But what have you? Um, I, I, I think he, I think he, yeah, I don't think he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> you, you go to a pet shop and you feed a snake a bunny. I mean, most people would feed them like mice, rats, or something. I mean, why else would he be wearing that with an attractive blonde on the outside of the ring? I mean, to me, I think it's pretty obvious. But I, maybe I'm too cynical. I don't know. So, uh, what did you think about Christian Cage? There's a couple other things. Bear, Bear Country, and uh, Jurassic Bear Country. Press. They're going to oh, be shooting. Are you? You're probably excited about that. I'm going to skip over that. It was whatever. You're trying to get your mid carters over. Um, they're pushing the Matt Hardy Empire with the Butcher and the Blade and whatever S and M crew they're rolling with these days. Private party, big money, man. <laughs> it's a it's a funny dichotomy between them. So I think there's going to be some funny stuff. They get the win, and Jurassic Express and Bear Country, Bear Bronson and Bear Boulder. Jesus Christ! This is Bear Bronson. This is Bear Boulder. Hey, this is Bear Ball. Um. I know, I know you've been uh, going on a weight loss journey. You've definitely lost weight, but has anybody ever confused you for being a bear? Yes, actually. More than one occasion. <laughs> I bet. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, had a, I had a guy in college. I, mean, I had a guy in college, and I was clearly dating a woman. I was with Rima, my, my first girlfriend ever. <laughs> he goes. I remember. You, yeah, yeah. He go told me he was going to give me the best best head I ever got in my life, and I was like, "Should I should I hashtag me to that?" What do you guys think? I was so shocked and hurt and scared. Well, you didn't, you, okay, yeah, you didn't say how you reacted to it. <laughs> I was going to say, "Well, was it?" I mean, I didn't let him finish because I just felt weird. My dad was looking for me. Anyway, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, all right. I just listen. It was hey, college, listen, man. You, I was. Hey, if if you if you gain another fifty pounds, you and I could be bear country for Halloween. <laughs> we well, I'm not gonna be, but I'm losing another fifty pounds. Hopefully, but I'll do my best. <laughs> They're That's impressive good, they, to say what you want about them. They are impressive. They have a Viking raider or war raider vibe to them, but they're bears instead of Vikings. Well, they weren't in NXT. You might not like them. If if you really want me to start going the NXT route and go down the AEW um, roster, let's do it. Oh, like look, buddy, you fuck with me every other second. I don't turn a hissy fit and be like, I don't know about 
I just t- take a chin on the mouth every once in a while and just move on, sir. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't think Vera Country's that good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw the one guy do the one suplex, and I'm like, that guy does not belong in a ring. He's like well, the smaller of the really, two. They looked really good in a squash match in terms of some of their double team power stuff. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think oh. you see more of uh, Maybe see more of them. Uh, Christian Cage interviewed. Hardest worker. Not really anything. Uh, I don't really have my skirt blown up over that situation, over what he's trying to go for. Called out Kenny Omega, said he's going to have to w- get a couple wins. But you're certainly going to see Christian Cage and Kenny Omega in a match sometime in this not-too-distant future, which will be great. Yeah. I mean, anything. Do you think it's going to be great? I, I I got a feeling it's going to be like underwhelming, and I, and and it's no disrespect to Kenny and or Christian Cage, but I just like you know like Christian's towelled at this point and hasn't really been doing it all that much. That's that's only like if he's been in there for like a year and he's like fine tuned. Okay, you know what? The timing's there and all that, but I, I'm just I'm expecting to be a little bit disappointed. Well, then you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I'm expecting to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm expecting it, so we're good to go. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah. what I think is kind of cool is like they're, it's like uh, these are two Canadian legends going at it, and you know, like there's definitely something about like uh, two guys from that part of the world going at it, and um, you know, I expect a, a decent match for sure. That should be entertaining. Uh, I, I usually like Christian being like sort of the jokey guy, if you will, and yeah, trying exactly. to have me take him very seriously as the e-work horse. And okay, great. You know, um, he's not Kurt Angle. Dude. I don't know, but I, I mean, I, I'm definitely rooting for Omega. Yeah, he's not. No, no, he's not. He's not. And that's the thing. You know, it's. I mean, he could put on a good match for sure. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not like yeah, like holy cow, we're gonna see. Kenny Omega against Christian Cage. I'm not like uh, like willing to buy a pay per view on that. I don't think it'll be a pay per view match, but I think it'll be a, uh, it'll definitely be a main for a Dynamite. <laughs> um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see. No, Christian. I, I don't. I think Christian Cage. I do like how that was his original indie name or one of his original indie names before he went to the WWE. <laughs> I like when people use their name before they went to WWE. It just makes me feel good that they got their soul back you know what i mean but uh yeah i and i but i do feel bad for him because everyone was expecting kurt angle some people were expecting lesnar or cm punk which is ridiculous if that was your expectation i think we both thought it was going to be christian possibly angle angle would have been cooler because i love kurt angle and he's got more pelts and if you see him working out as you said he's going to be an aew he'll be all elite but i mean mm-hmm. He def- does he really want to go out with Baron fucking Corbin beating him in a shitty match at WrestleMania? He's like, we want to go out. What the way? I, so, be- I can't believe he agreed to it, man. What's he going to do? Because he wanted to keep on working for him. Don't forget, he, I think, what was he, a, t- a producer for a while? or a? Uh, he was doing something behind the scenes for a while, and he still wanted a job. So it probably had something to do with that. That, he just got inducted into the hall of fame 
And then they offered him the contract and he worked there for a couple of years and worked a little bit behind the scenes. I don't think he had a choice. The Undertaker didn't have a choice in losing to Lesnar. No. But by the way, interesting point. Did you ever see there's an interview with Paul Heyman? Did you ever see it? And Paul Heyman was asked what would happen if there if the Undertaker wanted to do the job to Lesnar. And Paul Heyman said, quote, no, I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, said basically, well, what if I told you that the Undertaker didn't have a choice? And that if the Undertaker didn't do the job, Brock Lesnar was going to make sure he was down for three. And what if I told you that the Undertaker, as a shoot, didn't want to do it until he dropped him, you know? And, but Paul Heyman did it in such a way where it actually made sense, where the Undertaker... Yeah, yeah. Might not have really wanted a job, but he jobbed because he knew Lesnar would have fucked him up if he didn't. <laughs> Which I don't I yeah. find that very knowing what I know about The Undertaker, I just find that pretty I don't know. It just sounds a little weird. I think it's Heyman yeah. just being, being Heyman. But um but yeah, I feel bad for Christian because that was the expectation. But what have you? Ray Phoenix, Angelico, great, good match. Ray Phoenix is amazing. And I want to harken back to what we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, we talked about Andrade a little bit in pre-production. And you just look at what Ray Phoenix and what Penta, for example, speak very little English. And what they're doing on TV every single week being a main part of it and doing compelling television. Not just – they take my mask off. Yeah. And they give me a good push in NXT. And then I get to the main roster and – and add me to the list of NXT champions who just can't even get on TV. And I was that didn't mean yeah. to slight on NXT. It, like I know you probably thought I meant it that way. It wasn't that. It wasn't me. It was showing that these guys can get over. These guys do have talent, but the booking just doesn't do anything. And they're not comfortable putting a guy on TV who doesn't speak English well consistently. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they they don't put them on TV, and then what 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 sort of frustrates me is that they never come up with an idea to go and bridge the gap to the to the audience to make it work. They did it for a little bit with Zelina Zelina Vega, but then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, she's looking to unionize the place, and they're like, ah, that's it, let's get rid of her. But then there's no backup plan, and, and the backup plan, in my opinion was already in-house in Charlotte, and you just make them a super couple, and you know what? You have her cutting promos on people, and Andrade and her are looking out after each other, and not that it's like an intergender thing, but like, hey, you know what? Andrade's going for the U.S. Championship or the Intercontinental Championship. Charlotte gets involved and helps them win. Oh, there you go. They're the heels, and and oh, Charlotte's going to go for the you know world title or the tag team titles. Hey, Andrade's there. You know, he went and helped her win, and it just... They, you know, their success will create heat. And then you have Charlotte doing the speeches about her lover, Andrade. And I, I mean, and it's true to life. Like, I, I don't understand what they're so afraid of to do it that way. Well, that's exactly. I mean, I wish you could have been Shinsuke Nakamura. I wish, I wish, I wish Silicon Steve Alley could have been Shinsuke Nakamura's manager, to be quite honest with you. Wow. So I think that guy would have been a lot bigger than he is. Yeah, I mean, you could have just put you had Paul Heyman there too, by the way. And you're telling yeah, WWE yeah. you can't get a, a mouth for that guy. 
WWE has this thing, unless they're a super hot girl, they don't like managers who can't go. Yep. You know, they don't want managers mm-hmm. that can take bumps here and there and get their ass kicked here and there like a Bobby Heenan or a Jimmy Hart that goes with the territory. They want a rep guy who could go in there and have a three or a four-star match given an opportunity or even a two-star match. Someone that could give, put on an entertaining yes. And it's just so short-sighted because Shinsuke Nakamura with a translator or and slash manager or what have you is, I mean, just look what it did for Penta in one in one or two epi- in two episodes. Penta is an intriguing yep. character just because, you know, you got the real double A, Alex Abrahantis, uh, mm-hmm. promos for him, just loving it. Oh, Penta yep. says he's going to destroy your arms. You can't hold your baby. He's all smiley <laughs> about it. It's great. <laughs> Delivery is perfect. Uh, uh, NWE, the answers are in-house, and they never want to go and go that route. They just, they'd rather see them fail. And it's like such untapped talent that they just kick to the wayside. And then I'm, I can't wait for them to go, go to AEW and, and be used properly. <laughs> But no, they're going to have Shane McMahon breathe real heavy and say a bored and stupid for five minutes. That's what they're going to do. All right. Listen. Oh. Silicon Steve Valley. I wouldn't I would never say such a thing. That would be bored. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Shane's going to jump off of something. Oh, boy. Yeah. Onto a big person. Uh, <laughs> Shane's going to go coast to coast. I didn't see that coming. Look at those sneakers. He's so cool. Jeez, he has a lot of them. I... Oh, I was just going to say, he, he... they are leeching off of his fucking return. That pop he got for his return. They are just holding on to that and and it just it's oh we're over shane obviously but anyways i don't want yeah. to do too much on wwe we got we got another episode for that but man thank you for listening to part one of the aew week in review for march 17th please check us tomorrow as we're going to drop episode two of this little series, and you're going to hear Jim Cornette say about Miro and Kip Sabian, he's being allowed to be himself, and he is obviously a complete fucking goof. He has no idea how to get over, no idea who got him over for a little while before in the other company. He does a stupid shit, and obviously he's enjoying himself doing it. He was paired his kid who looks like he's in middle, in middle school, and his slutty girlfriend to have a few with a guy that sticks his hands in his pockets. Another guy looks like he cuts his hair with pencil sharpener. Job guy underneath town all the way. And he has embraced this. <laughs> that and more on the next High Spots and Cheap Pops with Vlad the Impaler and Silicon Steve Valley.